Welcome to the latest episode of Leeds University Business School's Research and Innovation Podcast. I'm Dr Matthew Davis. And I'm Hannah Collis. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how where people work is changing and what this might mean for office space. And in particular, uh, we're going to talk about the results of a cross-sector industry-wide survey of office workers that we conducted recently. Um, And we were looking to understand from this piece of research how well-prepared employees and organisations felt um, for the, the wider return to the office and their thoughts around how they might be using these spaces as we come out of the, or hopefully come out of the pandemic. And in particular, thinking about preferences for flexible working practices, how people are intending to split their time between the office and, and home, and what the, the office is looking like in response to this. So, Hannah, I think we, we set out to, to really try and take the pulse, didn't we, um, of how office workers are feeling about work as we're moving towards, uh, I guess, the new normal. People are starting to, to be back into uh, office working routines again. Can you talk us through maybe how the, the survey was set up? And we wanted to see what this meant for, for people's kind of preferences and routines and who we surveyed. Yeah, of course. So we carried out a survey towards the end of summer this year, so 2021, and we received answers from around a 1000 people across the UK from a variety of sectors. This is a representative sample of office based workers. um, And they were asked questions, um, such as their preferences, and what they were looking for, and what they also had available to them. So we looked at people who were across different organisations, different sectors, different forms of job roles, and um, it should give a, a fairly good picture of how how the UK workforce is feeling, not just from the, the big organisations, which has maybe not been picked up in other research. Wonderful. So we, we've got a really nice snapshot then across all sorts of different industries, all the ONS categories. Um, we've got a, as representative as you can try and do in these kind of things, um, sample of office workers. Um, what was that showing, Hannah, in terms of what people's preferences are now? So after we've had 18 months for a lot of people of, of experiencing homeworking, maybe experiencing life back in the office as well. What are we seeing in, in terms of preferences? Well, I think the main preference that we saw, which we were kind of surprised about really, was the fact that um, around sort of a third of people um, wanted to work back in the office full time, which is maybe somewhat surprising. We thought maybe we'd see a bit more people wanting hybrid. But actually, in that case, we only saw a third as well. Our sample was pretty well split between a third wanting to stay in the to be in the office full time, a third preferring to work from home full time, and a third wanting that hybrid pattern, which differed a bit from what we've seen in some of the other industry surveys that have been conducted. Um, and that's kind of one of the key findings, I think, that came out of this. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think if you read the, the newspapers, a lot of the business press, um, all you see uh, quite often is um, this this. I guess we, we've got this narrative, don't we? So we've got the government who's been very much pushing for, for people to go back to the office um, and, and really pushing strongly for that. You've got most business groups which have been talking about the emergence of hybrid working and, and that this here, this is here to stay. Um, and our data, I guess, is, is showing that it's all a bit more more nuanced, isn't it, in terms of individual preferences that we're seeing across these these working groups. Is there anything else that we're seeing it within the... Uh, the data, Hannah, maybe around the types of workspace that people have access to at home, is that different across the sample? Um, yeah, it is. So when we 
as, as part of the survey, we asked sort of if you were working from home, what sort of workspace you were working from. So what we found is that just under 15% had a dedicated office room. And that is where you can completely separate your work from your, your home life and close the door at the end of the day. Um, however, that's a, a tricky one to kind of capture in a way, because as you can probably imagine, like some of the younger people in our sample, they maybe don't have access to those spaces. Maybe they live in shared housing or with their parents or in smaller place accommodation, maybe flats where there's only a single bedroom and then a lounge or a studio. And so when you expand that, we found that just over 20% had a dedicated working space, another room. So it's a proper desk set up in a separate room. So whether this is in the corner of their dining room or in the corner of their lounge, maybe even in the corner of their bedroom, but it's a specific desk where they can work from. Um, but the rest of the sample, so that is still around 30, well, only 30%, 35% who have a dedicated working space in their home. The rest of the sample either work from their kitchen tables, their dining tables, from the lounge, from the sofa, even from their bed. Um, and I think if you can really think that we've been in this pandemic for 18 months or so and people still have not met, been able to adapt their workspace, it's obviously not working for them from home because it's, it's not good for a number of reasons, but working from a bed is maybe not the best for a productivity, but also your your physical health and your, your, you're much more likely to get things like back pain and neck pain from that. So I think that That's was right. a really interesting finding that came from that. I, I completely agree, Hannah. I think it's really interesting. 18 months in, um, and I think we, we would assume that by now, if you're able to make uh, changes at home to create those types of dedica- dedicated workspace, that would have happened. And it's worth saying, I guess, again, that... Uh, this is a sample specifically of office workers, um, so people who you would expect to have an incentive to create these types of, of workspace for, for kind of home or, or hybrid working. Um, so maybe there's constraint here. I guess also raises a question around whether there's an opportunity for third spaces. So co-working spaces, spaces outside of the home where you might go and work if you don't have a quiet space at home also. But I think within our, our survey, we're only finding maybe around 5% or so of people saying they'd use those types of third spaces. So it doesn't seem to be there yet, but it's a, a question maybe what happens there. And as you said, kind of lots of lots of reasons why maybe uh, working from your bed or, or kind of pinching spaces within the, the home isn't uh, preferable long-term. I know you did a great podcast talking about ergonomics, Hannah, which I think links in here. Um, but I guess also we know from the psychology literature um, and research that's been done that it's harder to to switch off and separate work and home where you don't have dedicated spaces and, and boundaries. Um, so really, really important. Um, last thing, maybe just around these preferences, um, could you talk us through what people want to do or say they want to do task-wise back in the office? What do they want to use the office for? Yes, this is a really interesting aspect that we wanted to look at because I said it's coming out in the news and in the come of the government comments um, that the offices will be used just for collaboration and just for these face to face, maybe some of the creative tasks as well. And so we really wanted to ask the sample this and say, well, what if you had the choice, what would you want to do and where? And OK, whilst we did find that for individual tasks, so these are ones that the government and other news outlets kind of suggested that you would do from home. We found the trend. So we found that 66% of people want to do the individual high concentration tasks. Maybe that's more like knowledge-based work, um, 
sometimes pre-core job roles in some industries and also individual low concentration tasks, which are things like maybe just like responding to some emails or doing bits of admin, things like that. That was still wanting to be done predominantly at home, but around 30% of people still wanted to do those job tasks from the office, which suggests that actually it isn't quite as clear split as people had previously suggested. Um, Moreover, we've got things like 80% of people wanted to do the collaboration tasks and meetings sort of in the office, but there are still a proportion who either want to do it from home or from other spaces. So maybe that's meeting in a a neutral third ground, like you said, these third workspaces um, that you can come up with, that's coffee shops or desks in other other locations. So I think it's a really interesting split. And then the final one we've got is that with virtual meetings and hybrid meetings, people still want to do it. We had hybrid meetings, we had around 45% who wanted to do it from home, but 26, 27% who wanted to do that from the office. So there remains that question is what the office, I don't think, can just be used for creativity or for collaboration. We really need to make sure that you are providing these different areas so individual desks are still going to remain and maybe quiet spaces or these or pods, which I think are, are popping up everywhere, everywhere at the moment um, with some soundproofing, they are going to probably become much more prevalent to help support hybrid meetings in the workplace um, as well as so virtual meetings too, but just to allow for that kind of differences in activity but that's interesting Hannah because from what you just said then so this we so if we're seeing this real variation um, in terms of what people want to do in the office and the fact that that might not be the same for people in very similar roles in terms of where they feel most comfortable or most able to let's say join an online meeting or a hybrid meeting um, or in terms of where they want to do these different types of tasks that makes the, the task of, of planning these offices and, and getting that mix of spaces right much more difficult doesn't it and I'm just struck from, from our own data, because we asked our, our participants, people answering the, the survey explicitly, you know, has your office been redesigned to support hybrid working or flexible working? And only 22% of our uh, sample said that their offices have been changed at all um, to support this. And I think really interestingly as well, only 7% had received any training in how to participate in things like hybrid meetings as well which is core to actually be able to use these spaces and, and to interact effectively um, in this new types of new way of, of working. Um, and from what you said, Hannah, around maybe looking at meeting pods or, or different spaces, I think this, this highlights there's a real opportunity here um, to look at the spaces that we're, we're providing. So what does the office look like? Matt, I completely agree. But I think we also need to show that it's not as far away from it's not as big a shift that people are expecting we're not saying that offices need to dramatically change to support these kind of hybrid working and things like that we found that actually currently almost half of the sample had unassigned desks so hot desking which is kind of key to some of these co or like collaborating spaces or activity-based workspaces that we're maybe looking for in the future it's, it's already halfway there people are already have the opportunity to move around maybe they they don't take the opportunity and they might have their preferred desk but they aren't formally assigned a desk and I think that is a trend that's across many organizations and it's just about reinforcing that and um, we also asked that people if people actually had some task specific spaces in their workspace and almost 60 percent of the, of the sample did say yes so I think it is increasing but maybe just the awareness and 
accessibility of these spaces need to be improved and maybe the just the amount of the ratios should we say of, yeah. the, of the different well, that, that's spaces. interesting so we, so we asked people if they had task space there and i guess the, the i guess our other findings and what we're seeing in in our wider research project that we're, we're working on is showing that the i think the range of spaces that we might be needing within offices so think about the types of collaboration spaces social spaces but also as you were saying before hannah those um maybe individual quiet spaces or very tech enabled spaces that that's that's maybe the thing which is challenging um, the traditional office spaces that, that our participants are in and, and companies are, are providing at the moment. Um, so it can be interesting to see that that mix of space and how do we understand that effectively? And I think the hot desking are such an interesting one, really interesting that well, almost half of our sample, pretty much half our sample, um, hot desk already, as you said, but 80% of, of people who responded said that they their preference was for an assigned desk, their own dedicated desk. And we know from the, the psychology and the management literature that time and time again, if people are given a choice, they want their own individual office and they want their own personal desk. And I think that highlights a challenge for organisations of, of how do we bring people along with us if we're saying that we want to provide high quality office space that might be much more varied in terms of the types of interesting spaces, really functional spaces for people to work from that reflects this variety and maybe this different pattern that people have in terms of how much they're in the office. What do we do if that if that comes alongside having to to have hot desking to make that work, to free up space for these other areas? And for me, I think it come, comes back to this need for kind of engagement and really kind of participation of, of workers. So I think often we see when you look at, at studies and look at uh, research that's, that's really examined this in depth in the past, people can feel a real sense of loss if they if they don't understand why they're giving something up. So why should I give up my my own individual desk that I love? I can have my, my pictures on this. It's mine that I can go into each day and I know where I'm working. I don't have to unpack things from a locker. Um, and I think we neglect that at our peril. So people need to understand what they're getting back in return. Why is this better? Why should I go through the hassle um, of giving up this desk, having to search each day? And I think that that engagement often is that missing link. So we can create beautiful spaces, really functional spaces, but they don't work in practice if people don't want to use them to understand why they're, they're gaining or how they might gain from these. Um, and for me, that, that reflects our project, Hannah. So in terms of having having uh, this kind of engineering and behavioural and IT kind of insight together, because one without the other just won't work. You're right. It, it needs to be done in, in relation to other things as well, um, especially we're seeing with some of the, the, the organisations that we're working with, and not just from this this survey, but from other things that we've been looking at. Um, you have this rise of the use of technology and whether that's increasing like booking apps or availability to book these desks, it just reduces some of that maybe anxiety about where you're going to sit when you were saying you don't want to come in in the morning and say, Oh, well, where am I going to go now? Am I going to be with my team? I think if you are going to do this, we need you need to do it with with these techn- this technological support and use those tools to to make this transition or as a success for you. And I think you also need to have things you mentioned lockers, but I don't think many organisations um, truly have really implemented those. So if you are taking away someone's desk, 
maybe you need to give them their own space where they can store some of their equipment so they're not lugging it back and forward between the home and the office because you're just going to alienate people who maybe can't do that who take public transport and also people who maybe have some form of disability and that can really really alienate them so I think there's I said many areas that need to be linked together so things like engineering and technology and looking at the people and the psychology of their what they want definitely essentially what we're both saying is taking a whole system approach I think that that's a way of summing this up and, and not looking at the type of space we provide in isolation without thinking about the tasks the individual preferences personality I know Hannah that's a real interest of yours um, as well as the, the technology that needs to support that as well. Um, and I think the the interesting thing, so I, I get excited about this, and I know you do too, Hannah, we could talk about all the different things that come from this all day long. Um, but I, I just think this is, is so illustrative of what we're seeing with our partners we're working with around this kind of testing and, and learning um, that we're in, in terms of how do we start to move towards, I guess, the future office and an office that is flexible and adaptable to different ways of working. Um, and I think it comes back to something we've said before in a previous podcast, that we need to be honest about the fact that we're, we're feeling our way. And I think, again, our research in this survey shows that you know, there's a real gap between what we're hearing in the press and actually the reality here of, of formal policies, of people locking in how they'll be working, how the office looks long term. We're still very much in transition, which I think is, is incredibly exciting and a chance to, to rethink and, and really get this right as well, creating better, more inspiring, more kind of supportive work environments. But I think that that's all we've got time for in this episode. But thank you very much for listening. Yep, thank you very much. And if you're interested in finding out more about this research, you can visit our project webpage or get in touch. All the details can be found in the show notes.